you drive down a four by four road for miles and then there's a little turnoff and you're basically on your own little private beach on this giant lake surrounded by mountains and turquoise water. And it's, it's about as good as it gets. Welcome to the Budget Minded Traveler podcast, your source for the everyday inspiration and practical tips that make international travel accessible to everyone. <gasps> Could it be? Are we really back? <laughs> Yes. Hello, everybody. We are officially back after a little hiatus. Um, Thank you to everybody who emailed me or messaged me telling me that you missed the show. You know, it turns out I ended up missing the show too. And you know when you miss your own show that it's time to come back. And especially thank you to those of you who asked if I was okay. As a podcaster, it's really nice to know that people are listening and that you care. So yes, I'm okay. Uh, It is just a lot of work to produce a show, to be honest, and I needed a little break. So thank you for bearing with me and thank you for coming back to listen. The show will go on. Now you know. Um, I do have a couple quick announcements and even if you're a new listener to the show, these are for you as well. Uh, And then we'll get to the main subject of this episode, which is adventuring in Alaska uh, in just a minute. Um, First of all, you might notice that the audio for this episode sounds a little different, and that is because my microphone just recently lost a battle with my backpack, which is, I know, a sad day. It is broken beyond repair, and as I am currently in a tiny town on the Sea of Cortez in Baja, Mexico, I can't just Amazon Prime myself a new one, so I'm working on that, but just in case you hear a rooster or truck engines or something in the background until I get a new one, that would be why. Backtracking a little bit, I want to say thank you so much to those of you who filled out the survey. I really appreciate your feedback. I did learn a lot about what you like and what you want to hear more of. So I've been putting some thought into that and I've come up with something that we together are going to try out. I want to include more of you as my guest's on the show. You guys know how I like to have real people um, on the show. And I thought, you know what, why not invite you guys? So here's what we need to do to make that happen. I'm going to be putting out feature calls for people I'm looking for. This is going to be specific themed things that I'm looking for um, to join me on the show. And I will be doing this in both the Facebook group and in my newsletter. So if you're interested in being kept in the loop, for a possible feature on the podcast, because you never know, it might be your story that I'm interested in sharing. Um, Make sure that you are part of the Facebook group, which you can find at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash community. That'll take you straight there. Or subscribe to my newsletter, and you can find that at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash newsletter. Um, I already have put out the first call and I've met a few of you guys <laughs> through this already. So I'm really excited to share your own voices and stories going forward. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, one more thing. I just recently got back from the trip to Patagonia that I led that I had talked about here on the show and it was incredible, unbelievable. And I will soon be announcing the next trip So if you want to stay informed about trips that I'm leading, 
You can get on the list at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash trips, and that's where you'll be among the first to find out details about any future trips. Uh, All right, so that is it for announcements. Let's talk Alaska. Today's episode is special for a couple reasons. First, it's all about somewhere that I just went, and I know that a lot of you expressed interest in hearing more about my personal travels and stories uh, through the survey. Um, And second, it's my first podcast episode that focuses specifically on travel within the United States. And of all states, I am going big and starting with Alaska. So I would like to introduce Chris, whom I met in Alaska, and you'll hear the story about that serendipitous meeting um, and why I think he is the perfect person to talk Alaska on the Budget Minded Traveler podcast. So you guys meet Chris. All right. I have Chris New on the line. Hey, Chris, how are you doing today? Great. How are you, Jackie? I am good. Thank you. I wanted to tell the story about how we met because I think it's kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) I actually was just recently in Alaska and I walk into the Moose's Tooth, which was recommended to me to grab a bite to eat. And there's one seat at the bar and it happens to be next to you, Chris. (laughs) And so I sit down and we ended up chatting and having this whole conversation about Alaska. And this was my first literally like hour in Alaska. And so it was super fun for me actually to get to sit down next to you and just get so hyped up about (laughs) everything I was about to do because you had pretty much done it all. But you done it a little <laughs> differently than than the way that I did it. But I love what you did. So will you can you uh, basically just sum up what you were doing for the last three months in Alaska? Yeah, so I, I took off in June in my pickup truck with my four wheel pop up camper on the back of it. And I, I drove up there um, 3000 miles. So I spent I spent a couple of weeks driving up through Canada, you know, hitting all the amazing spots in Canada that you can't miss, Banff, Jasper, stuff like that. And then I hit the Alcan Highway and and I got to Alaska and basically I basically drove every road you can drive in mainland Alaska, which is a lot. I mean, there's so much you you can't see by driving, but um pretty much covered every road on the map and tried to see every glacier, every mountain I possibly could in the last 90 days. And uh, it, for me, it was the first time too, and I couldn't have been more blown away by it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's so cool, first of all, that you um, kind of just took off to go explore. And you actually, that day that we were sitting there at the bar, kind of made me realize something that I had no idea about and you just touched on it is that you basically covered all the roads that there are to cover in Alaska, which I mean, if you really don't know that much about Alaska, which I don't know, maybe I didn't, you actually can't drive into like you were saying it's like half of it, right? If you look on a map, the road kind of ends. Yeah, I mean, it, it might be less than half even. Yeah, to be which honest. is crazy it's- to me. So really, the main points are the road along the well, that's why so many people take the boats up, I guess, too. But um, so you can get to some of the places down on the lower coast there on the southern coast and then 
Anchorage and basically up to Fairbanks, there's like one north south road, right? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it, it's like kind of like a big figure eight. Um, and then there's like a couple roads that veer off of it, like the Dalton Highway that takes you up to Prudhoe Bay and the Arctic Circle. But mostly it's just kind of like a figure eight that loops around Fairbanks, uh, Anchorage, down into the Kenai Peninsula, and then you can go down to Valdez. Uh, there's not a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and where did you drive from? Uh, I left, I actually left in late June from Indiana. I was at my parents' house mm-hmm. visiting and I went to Colorado and went up through Wyoming and crossed just north of, of Glacier National Park mm-hmm. into Alberta from there. Okay. So you took Western Canada route up there. Yeah. Yeah. And did you know at the time, I mean, had you planned on going up for three months or were you planning on going for one month or? I didn't have a time limit. I uh, I was going to let kind of weather tell me when to leave. That's a good point because weather starts to get bad towards the end of what, September-ish? Yeah, you know, it was good. Um, I left just like a week ago, like uh, October 9th. And I had that last month, I actually had some of the best weather because when it got colder, you know, the air got thinner and there was less moisture. So I had beautiful blue skies, uh, great for northern lights and Mm. rain finally. So that was great. It was just cold, Mm -hmm. like eight degrees at night. So, wow. But but no snow. So I was good. Yeah. So what was your itinerary? I would love to hear about what you did and where you went and what you experienced. What what uh what did you do and like where did you sleep at night? I mean, where did you pull over? What well, what did it look like this trip of yours? Oh man, I mean, it was beautiful. Um well, so I only slept in three campgrounds in 99 days. Three campgrounds in 99 days. <laughs> yeah, cuz I just don't do campgrounds. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you were really dirty. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I have a shower. <laughs> oh, in your camper you do? Yeah, it's an outdoor shower. Uh, ooh, outdoor shower in Alaska. Yeah, it's not <laughs> ideal. But okay. a lot of the campgrounds up there and like the laundry places have showers and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, at least once a week. Okay. <laughs> Alaska is like heaven when it comes to free camping and like roadside camping. And why do you know? I like why. What what do you know is is legal? What can you do? Legal sometimes is iffy, okay. but I mean it's pretty safe to say it's legal. Along the highways, there's huge turnouts, like um, pullovers, mm-hmm. and you're you're gonna see an RV in almost every one of them that doesn't have a sign that says no overnight parking. If there's not a sign and it's a, you know, a safe spot to pull over, you're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, But those aren't ideal. Um, I did have like a few nights that I'd spend in like just a roadside turnout. But generally, kind of just look for a dirt or gravel road and pull down it. That's kind of nice, though, because then, I mean, if you're out to do your own thing, then you're just you can do whatever you want. You have your own vehicle. You can sleep wherever you want. And you have all of Alaska. Well, half a third of Alaska at your fingertips. Yeah, I mean, it makes it nice, you know, um, Mm -hmm. to not deal with campground fees, Mm -hmm. campground hosts, neighbors in giant 
class A RVs with kids, mm -hmm. dogs that don't shut up, you know, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, totally. Plus, then you're also actually in the wilderness. You know, if you like you go out to the Kenai Peninsula and you drive down a dirt road that takes you to a lake and you're the only one on it, it's way better experience than being in a campground with a hundred other people. Mm hmm. Do you fish? Did you get a fishing license? I didn't. Um, I did have a run in with a salmon that tried to bite my foot. Really? So <laughs> kind of fished. <laughs> that was as close as I got. I was in uh, Valdez and I was on this little lake camping called uh, Robe Lake. And they were starting to spawn and turn into zombie fish and looked mm -hmm. terrible. And, and there were so many of them in this little lake. And there was a drainage pipe on the road where the, the fish were trying to swim upstream into the drainage pipe. And I was just standing on top of the drainage pipe. And they were jumping up at my feet, trying to bite my feet. Oh, my gosh. Crazy fish. Yes. Crazy zombie fish. So do you do you know um, real quick before we get into like how your itinerary and all that? Do you know how many miles you drove and like how much it cost you in gas? Like how how much it cost you to do this trip that ended up being three months? Well, I I didn't really keep track too well. I know I I from the time I left to head up there, I did reset my my odometer. Uh, my trip was. 16,000 plus miles. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, Alaska's big. And it was far from Indiana. Yeah. So. It is far. And last week I drove just alone 3,400 miles to get from Palmer, Alaska to uh, Las Vegas because I just flew out of Las Vegas. Okay. And that was 3,400 miles. <laughs> yeah. You just had gas expenses and food expenses pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I mean, I have like a national park pass. And I didn't do a lot of guided trips. I really only did two. So yeah, it was basically gas and food, although up there are not cheap. So right. I'm glad right. I didn't, you know, spend money on other stuff. Like a Prudhoe Bay, gas, even though that's where the gas comes from, gas was $5.15 a gallon. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Isn't that way, way up north? Yeah, it's uh, over 400 miles one way, I, I think, from Fairbanks on the okay. Dalton Highway, which is the Ice Road Truckers Highway. Okay. Is that the last town? Is that the last spot? Is it in the Arctic Circle? Yeah, you can actually, um, the public can only drive to a little spot called Dead Horse. Okay. Um, which is just outside Prudhoe Bay. So you can't actually drive to the Arctic Ocean. Mm -hmm. You can drive the dead horse and then you pay to go on a little bus and then they drive you to this one little beach where you can, you know, go play in the Touch Arctic Ocean. Touch the ocean. Did you go? Yeah, yeah. I put my feet in. <laughs> nice. Labor Day. Oh, good. That's cool. I had to do cool. it. Yeah. Yeah. So where else did you go? What did you do? Um, well, I mean, I started out in Denali. I and went to Denali. Oh, man. Just amazing. Right? I was blown away by Denali. So one thing, let's talk about Denali for a minute, um, because I know that's that's a big destination. Um, you went with your own vehicle, but during the season, they only allow Denali buses in the in the park. So yeah. 
did you park your truck somewhere and then take a bus in? And, and what did that look like for you? Yeah, so I, I, I stayed there for the week and I camped outside in Healy mm -hmm. and I drove in each afternoon um, because at the time the sun wasn't going down. So, you know, mm. I had a lot of daylight to, to work with. But at the time they had, um, usually you can drive to mile 15 and there's like a campground there and there's some nice trails there. But they, they weren't allowing that because of a grizzly bear. So oh. you couldn't drive in. You can only drive into like mile 12. So that kind of killed some of my hiking plans. So to hike, I ended up having to do the, you know, the green shuttle bus. And I waited until the weekend and did the bus to the Ielson Center, which was, you know, four hours each way on a bus with yeah, a bunch yeah. of people. And that's the visitor center, right? The big visitor center out there? Yeah, that one's, it. I think, mile 66. Yeah. Don't know 100% sure if that's correct, but it's it's about 30 miles from Wonder Lake. Wonder Lake. Did you go all the way in or no? Uh, no, I didn't go to the lake. Okay. Miles and okay. centers as far as I went, and I did, uh, I hiked like 10 miles that day just around that area. Was it pretty easy for you to get the shuttle to figure that out? Yeah, I, I knew a little bit about it um, going in. I had friends that went last summer and they were just like, yeah, just go get on the green bus. Don't do any of the guides. It's not worth it. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. And like I, I, I had a really awesome shuttle bus driver. So he did a lot of extra talking. Not all of them necessarily will, but mine was great. So I felt like I got every penny's worth. That's great. Um, and did you just pick that up at that first visitor center on your way into the park? Yeah, yeah. The, like uh, by the train station there? The Wildlife Access Center, I believe is what it's called. Oh, yeah. They call it the WAC or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it was, it was a great experience because, um, you know, you don't really see the park at all just driving in that 15 miles. Right. You get on the bus and you get back there. You start seeing grizzly bears. You start seeing caribou. And yeah. they're far yeah. off in the distance, but it's wide open, beautiful land. So it just kind of floors you. I know. Oh, that blew me away. We saw I had to keep track because we lost count of how many grizzly bears um, and moose and sheep and all. Actually, we didn't see any caribou, but I was really excited to see the grizzly bears. We saw eight oh, of yeah. them. I think. Oh, that's more than I saw. Count. But I mean, we had two days. So we drew we drove in all the way in. Um, yeah. we stayed at a backcountry lodge at the, at like mile 92. So it's like, that's the end of the road basically. Um, and then out the next day. And so between the two days we had eight grizzly bears and I, something like 11 moose. I don't know. Yeah. Did you get to see Denali? Yeah. So the first week I went, you know, they say 20% of visitors get to see it. And that I definitely believe is probably true because I spent the whole first week there and I only saw it three quarters of the way on the last day, the day that I took the bus in. Mm -hmm. um, and even just three quarters of it blew me away. Was the top covered? Yeah, the top was covered. Mm -hmm. So I could only see the bottom. Mm -hmm. But even <laughs> seeing the bottom was just incredible. Yeah. So they told me, I don't know what these numbers are. 
I heard um, that 30% of visitors to Alaska even come to Denali because most of them are staying down south, like on the cruises. So that that makes sense that 30% of people would see Denali. But when we were there, they said that only 1% of those people see it top to base to base to summit. Totally believe that. That blew my mind because, I mean, we were standing there at there's this one vantage point that the road just kind of unfolds in front of you. And there's Denali just, I mean, yeah, for us, it was perfectly clear. Oh mm. my gosh. It was unbelievable. And they told us that. And we just looked at each other like, wow, we, <laughs> we got lucky with this weather, the sunshine. Oh, yeah. uh, but one of the things that's really, really popular to do in Denali, and I know you eventually did this, but the flight seeing. Yes. yes. Um, we, we had to wait hours because ours was going to be canceled uh and we ended up being able to do it at the last minute because the weather kind of turned on the second day and but we did get to do it but you what did you do you didn't get to do it the first week right didn't you go back to do it yeah well i had just gotten there and i was kind of just wanting to you know spread my funds out make sure i didn't splurge Mm -hmm. (laughs) like the first freaking day right because it is expensive it's expensive. It's very expensive. Most of the guided trips up there are. And because I only saw three quarters of the mountain, which was amazing, I still, you know, wanted to see more. And later in the summer, I was almost 200 miles away down in like Willow. I look down the road and I just see Denali like in all her glory oh. with no clouds in the sky. And I said, okay, I have to go to Talkeetna right now and get on a plane yes. and fly to Denali. <laughs> I love it. So I yeah. did. I went to Talkeetna. Um, I think it's maybe, I don't know, 100 miles away, maybe even more, this cool little town. And uh, I had heard from friends that Talkeetna Air Taxi was a great service. So I go and they're like, yeah, you know, we're open today. It's a beautiful day. Our flights aren't full. I'll give you, you know, 15% off let's go, let's make this happen. And he ended up putting me on a flight, was their most expensive flight, but he gave it to me at a price of a lesser flight and then also gave me 15% off because it was late in the year and it was probably the highlight of my trip. Oh, that's so great. I couldn't stop taking pictures. I probably took like, I don't know, a couple hundred just on that flight alone. Definitely. Oh my goodness. I felt like I felt like I was in the the ski films, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I felt like I was an adventure photographer. <laughs> uh, uh, it was Did insane. you land on, on the glacier? We did not. Did you? Oh yeah. So we we flew up and he, he kinda looped around in the Alaska range mm-hmm. and we went up to about a hundred feet higher than the summit and circled the summit. Mm-hmm. And then we went down and landed on the Cahildna Glacier okay. where they have their base camp at 7,000 feet. I mean, all the, all the climbing had been long over with. Season ends around July 4th. Uh, but you could see in the snow all these little like round pods that were dug out from where base camp used to be. We flew over that, but we couldn't land. I don't know why. Maybe it was too late or maybe it was too cloudy. But 
And we went with, uh, just for the listeners, we went with um, K2 Aviation. That was the one that we went to. But these planes are so cool. I'll have to put a picture on the show notes page. But they have, I mean, similar to what, what we know of a uh, float plane, they have skis on the bottom of them, which is like, I, to me, honestly, it was a bit intimidating to look at at first because... I am not great with flying uh, and I was a little nervous. I actually was the most nervous about landing on the glacier itself. And so when we couldn't do that, I, I have to confess that I wasn't heartbroken about that, uh, even uh, though I'm sure it probably would have been fine. I don't know, but it would have knocked your socks off. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, maybe I should save something for later. I can't do everything all at once. Right. <laughs> There's so much to do up there. Yeah. So tell Keetna. Okay, so when we left, we actually left from Denali on the plane and went to tell Keetna. So we did our tour in the Alaska range and, you know, did our flight. And then we ended in tell Keetna, um, which is a cool little town. Actually, the day that we got there, I think I told you about this. There was a brew, a brew fest and we got to try all the different Alaska beers. And that was a complete success. Um, Alaska has a lot more breweries than I even realized. And so there's definitely some some good brews for the for the adventurous up there that was definitely like a pleasant surprise for me so many breweries i had no idea i'd spend so much time up there in microbreweries on my travels <laughs> yeah hence where we met <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and most of them were really good yeah um, I had this, okay, I just have to say this real quick. There was this beer that I tried. Um, it was a spruce infused ale. It was a spruce ale infused with spruce tips. Uh, and it gave a whole new meaning to what I like to say when I, I love beers that taste like the forest. I always say that, but this tasted like the green part of the forest, not like the sappy, like citrusy part of the forest. Oh my gosh. It was so good. Oh man. Do you so, know who made it? Um, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> I'll put it on the show notes page. It was not one of the main ones. I want to say, you know, it wasn't like 49th state or anything like that. It was a, I'm going to have to look up the name, but um, I'll let you know. Yeah, I'd, I'd be interested. <laughs> okay. So let's move on from Denali. Where else did you go that, that really stood out that you think other people would be interested in? I mean, the, the big draw up there for most people is, is the Kenai Peninsula. So I tried to kind of do it a little differently, you know, most people that go up there will either fly in and take a cruise down or just go up there on a cruise. And I'm, you know, trying to avoid that crowd. So, you know, I went out to and the, the Kenai prices and the prices. Yeah, for yeah. sure. But, you know, they, they say the Kenai Peninsula is like Alaska's playground. And it, and it really is. It's just this huge spot of land that's just full of beautiful mountains, glaciers, and incredible turquoise lakes and then also has access to the ocean mm. and there's so much to do out there so i was just kind of like looking on the map and seeing all these lakes and trying to find cool little spots mm -hmm. and i found some of my favorite campsites out there and then you know there's also the, the big ticket items seward and homer both incredible um but when I went there at peak time in July, the rain was terrible and, Ooh. you know, overrun by RVs. So, mm. you know, I had more fun going to these lakes and just being out on my own and 
feeling like I was really in Alaska. Like that was that was great. Like uh, there was a an incredible spot I found on Kenai Lake, which is a huge lake, but you drive down a four by four road for miles and then there's a little turnoff and you're basically on your own little private beach on this giant lake surrounded by mountains and turquoise water and it's it's about as good as it gets. Okay, I definitely have to go back for that. That's on the Kenai Peninsula, right? You said that? Yeah. And okay, on a map, I mean, this is how big Alaska is. It doesn't look like it's that far from Anchorage, but how long does it take to drive out there? A couple hours. Really? Like all, like all the way yeah. to Homer? Well, all the way to Homer is probably four hours. Okay. Just Seward, um, maybe two and a half. And if someone were to do this drive, because the other option is there are tour operators that you can do a, a you know a complete Kenai tour with, or there are lodges out there that often will include transportation from Anchorage one way or another, whether it's a flight or a bus or something. But there are, and there are. I think there are buses that can take you out there as well. But it, I really think that having a car is the way to go if you're going to do the Kenai Peninsula. Would you agree? Yeah. Do a car or rent an RV. Yeah. Okay. And how? What, what kind of itinerary would you suggest if somebody wanted to do the Kenai Peninsula? What, what do they do there? Like, what should they see? Uh, well, the one kind of unfortunate thing is that the road's dead end, which happens a lot in Alaska. So you can't really do a loop. You have to go out and back and out and back. But, um, you know, you go out there and you either go left and you go down to Seward or you go right and go out to Homer, basically. Um, but you should definitely do both because they're both pretty incredible in their own ways. So, you know, you go down there, spend a couple of days or maybe two days in Seward because you've got uh, Kenai Ford's. Uh, National Park, which is one of only three parks in Alaska you can even drive to. So you kind of have to hit all three of them if you can, because the other five you have to fly or take a boat to get to. And you can't really access much of the park by driving to it, but uh, you go down to Seward and and you can go to Exit Glacier and you can hike right up to the glacier. You can hike up to the top and see the whole ice fields and it's just breathtaking. But then there's a lot of boat guides down there and uh, you can go, you know, back into the fjords and really see the park and see some whales and stuff. It would be possible like if you were to drive down there and set up camp or whatever, pick kind of your base, you could then once you get there, decide to do a couple tours, right? Sure. Yeah. They have a lot of different tours that explore more of the park by water. And they also have like a cool um, sea life center. It's kind of like an aquarium. They have like a little kind of oceanfront park. So they have a huge campground that kind of takes, it's all all waterside with all different types of camping and showers and Wi-Fi. And it's pretty cheap. Uh, I didn't stay there. I, <laughs> yeah, I still camped on the river. I love it. And then they have a couple cool, you know, old restaurants. The Seward Brewing Company is really great and has great food. And then there's there's a, like a random dive bar where I saw a reggae band, which kind of blew me away. But uh, <laughs> Seward was fun. It's a cool spot. And it, it's definitely closer than Homer. 
But uh, then you go out to Homer, and that's the famous Homer spit, which is this mm. sandbar that sticks out a few miles off the coast that's full of bars and shops and restaurants and there's camping all along the way and tons of fishing boats and some of the big boats like you see from all those shows on tv deadliest catch they dock there and it's it's really touristy but it it doesn't matter like it's it's still really worth it it's it's a really pretty place i mean it's just surrounded by huge mountains and you're you're on the gulf of alaska and then that also is the best access to get to like Kodiak or to get to uh, Katmai National Park or Lake Clark National Park and the Valley of 100 Smokes, stuff like that. So it's like a major hub for adventure down there. Okay. And Kodiak is across the water from there, right? Yeah. And Kodiak's actually a pretty decent sized town. It's bigger than Homer. I think there's seven or 8,000 people there but you can only get to it by land or by sea or uh, by air or by, by sea. You by can't drive or by sea yeah. or by sea. I see. <laughs> Somehow, but you can't drive there. <laughs> can't drive there. Okay. But uh, it's a big town. Yeah. Okay. Did you see any bears there? Uh, not there. No. Um, the biggest ticket item probably out of Homer is all the, the bear tours. You can do all these these flights with these guides, and they take you out to to Katmai or to Lake Clark to see the bears eating. Um, but I didn't do that. It was about seven hundred bucks, eight hundred bucks, and I don't know. It just wasn't my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. But I yeah. I saw a lot of bears, just not there. Yeah, man, Alaska is so expensive. It really is. Yeah, it's difficult to do. I think you did it on the best way possible to do it on a budget. I think really this is how you do it. <laughs> you can't yeah. stay in campgrounds even just trying to save as much as possible and not doing the tours, but you can still get so much out of your experience. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I kept a tally of, of wildlife. I think I saw over 30 moose, maybe 16 to 20 grizzly bears, and then like a, maybe a dozen black bears let alone all the other things. Yeah, wow. And that's not taking a single tour, right? Because all you did was the flight? I Well, I did two trips. I did the, the Denali flight, and then out of Valdez, I did a boat that took you to um, Columbia Glacier, okay. which is a, the second largest tidewater glacier in Alaska. That was a really incredible experience. Is that something you would recommend? Oh, absolutely. And and it's not that expensive. Um, I did the Lulu Bell, which is out of Valdez, the smaller of any of the boats that go to Columbia Glacier. And it's run by like the coolest old guy that I want to be my grandfather so bad. <laughs> He's been doing it for like 25, 30 years and talks the whole time. But he's hilarious and full of information and stories. But that was like an eight-hour trip, and you go 40-plus miles, I think, out to this glacier, and the last 10 or 15 miles, you're just dodging icebergs because that last 10 or 15 miles is is how far the glacier used to be out. Mm -hmm. 
receded so much. And then you get up to it and we got within a quarter mile of it and it's just a couple hundred feet of sheer ice wall. I mean, it's kind of heartbreaking and also thrilling and amazing and beautiful at the same time. But you see these huge, like two or 300 feet sheets of ice just falling off and you feel it in your body, like vibrating. And it's just like this incredible experience. Uh, so mm. I, I w- couldn't recommend that more. I think it was maybe one hundred and twenty-five dollars okay. for eight hours. That that was definitely a highlight. I'm really glad I did that. So besides down there, um, what about let's go north a little bit? What uh, what about Fairbanks? Is Fairbanks worth it? Because I've actually heard a lot of <laughs> opinions <laughs> about that. You know, I didn't do much in Fairbanks uh, besides grocery shop um, and kind of refuel for my trip up the Dalton highway. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, it's just a town kind of right in the middle of Alaska. It's, it's not a bad town, not necessarily a nice town. There's <laughs> like, you're not surrounded by mountains or anything. Yeah. Just kind of it boring. Gets old. It's just kind of boring. Okay. It, it's this kind of a, like it, for a lot of people that drive there, it's one of the first stops because it's the first major town to get a walmart and fuel up and stuff like that mm-hmm. and it's like 250 miles from the border so there's not a lot between the border and fairbanks okay so it's kind of you know a, a destination to get there get your stuff after you know wh- however long you drove on the alcan highway and then get the hell out of there and go somewhere else. Okay, so where did you go from Fairbanks then? Like you you went north from there, I know. So what about what is worth seeing north of Fairbanks? Well, there's the Chain of Hot Springs, um, which is really cool. It's not too far outside of town, but the the really cool thing to do if you can do it, if you're renting a car, you're not going to be able to do it. They won't let you do it. <laughs> but is the Dalton Highway? Why won't they let you do it with a rental car? Because the road's awful. Oof, okay. It's Wait, supposed this to, is the Ice Road Trucker ro- Road? Same same road from that show, which I've never seen. But um, it's considered to be one of the most dangerous roads in the world. I can't even watch that show because it stresses me out. Because driving yeah. in that kind of weather and ice, oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't think I could do this Dalton Highway that you speak of. <laughs> well, I obviously didn't do it in the winter. Oh, this is true. So it wasn't covered in ice? It was not covered in ice at okay. all. But it's part a lot of it's paved actually. And the paved part is probably worse than the dirt part because the paved part is just riddled with potholes. Mm. And they come out of nowhere and it's just like real bumpy up and down. It's not smooth. So the the dirt part's probably better. Uh, it's just, it's a very narrow road. And when there's these giant trucks coming your way, it's a little nerve wracking, to be honest. So why do you want to take this road? Because it takes you to the Arctic Circle. <laughs> okay, so this is the only way to get up there. From from Alaska, yeah. From driving, yeah. Okay. You can, you can do it in the Yukon and the Northwest Territories. You can leave from like Dawson City and drive up to Inuvik. And take take that direction, but okay. uh, that's in Canada, right? Okay, so this is the only way to get north in Alaska to the Arctic Circle, Dalton Highway. 
Yeah, that I know of. Um, I mean, with without having to get on a plane, right? Or a boat. Where did you end up? Uh, Dead Horse is the end Dead of the Horse. Road. That's right, and then Prudhoe Bay. Yeah, so Prudhoe Bay is all oil fields only. It's kind of really disgusting and depressing up there. But the 400 miles in between, the drive up there is not. It's incredible. Is it? Yeah. Like, so it is worth it. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it, it only takes a couple, like maybe 150 miles to get to the Arctic Circle. So a lot of people will just do that. And I, I think that alone is worth it, especially late in the season. If it's clear, you're going to see some phenomenal northern lights. But you know, that just wasn't enough for me. I had to do the whole thing. Okay, so did you sleep on the way up there? I mean, did you pull over anywhere in the middle and just watch the Northern Lights? Yeah, uh, I left on a Friday. So the first night I actually camped right there just across the line of the Arctic Circle. Mm. Saw some incredible Northern Lights. And then the next day I drove all the way up. I stayed just kind of parked by the river outside Dead Horse because I had to do the tour to the beach like Sunday morning like eight o'clock in the morning. So I want to be mm -hmm. close. And there were caribou all around and muskox all around. Like it was just crazy. And then coming down the next night on Sunday night, I stayed maybe a hundred miles north of the Arctic circle line. And I camped on this river and that night the sky was on fire. Like it was insane. I'd never seen anything like mm -hmm. it. Uh, and it was just like right above me pink and red and green all night long it, it just blew me away how do you sleep you don't <laughs> yeah i mean that sounds incredible yeah that's what everyone wants to see that's what people want to see grizzly bears and northern lights i think that's what alaska is and wow. and i really didn't see any of that stuff until after two months in wow well grizzly bears i saw right away yeah well, I certainly did not see any Northern Lights when I was there. So, and I mean, okay, so I was there in, uh, what was it? It was mid-September, I think. Late, no, late September. Yeah. I don't even remember. Um, late September, I think, mid-September. And then, so we didn't see any, but I was only adventuring in Denali for like four days. And then I was in Anchorage. I suppose you could see it from there, but we just didn't. And we, I mean, that was 10 days that I spent there. No Northern Lights at all. So yeah, that's definitely a gamble. A lot of people don't see it. Mm -hmm. It's wow. it's amazing to see though. Uh, and you know, I would check the website. There, there's a lot of websites, but I'd check the, the forecast every night. And there were some nights where it would say it was going to be incredible and I wouldn't see anything at all. Oh, uh, that's disappointing. Yeah, because when it's cold and you get up, and go outside at midnight and it's 10 degrees and <laughs> you're out there for no reason. It's not fun. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Wow. So you had quite a trip. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. I mean, you had, let's see, the Denali flight and the glacier. Those were probably your two favorite things, right? Yeah. I mean, Northern Lights. Northern Lights. Yeah. There's nothing like it. Oh, man. That's so incredible. Yeah. Do you have any uh, tips for people who might be considering a road trip in Alaska? Yeah, I mean, definitely do it. <laughs> yes. But funny how that's always one of the tips. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's a, just an incredible experience, you know. A lot of people talk about the Alcan Highway like it's this scary, treacherous road, and I couldn't disagree with that more. It starts in Dawson Creek, British Columbia, and that's like where mile zero is. And you drive through the northern Canadian Rockies, through the top corner of BC, and then you drive kind of across the southwestern corner of the Yukon Territory. And the entire way, it's just beautiful. Um, and I saw actually more wildlife in one day driving through northern BC and the Yukon than I almost did in the entire time in Alaska. So I think it's absolutely worth driving. Um, it's paved the whole way. Yeah, there's potholes. There's not a lot of gas stations, but, you know, take an extra tank of gas. Make sure you got a full-size spare tire and you can do it. And, I mean, people people do it in Priuses and Honda Civics. It's, it's nothing crazy. It's just you're out there in the middle of nowhere in this beautiful landscape. And, uh, I guess that's scary to some people. To me, it's it's normal. It's <laughs> so great. And can we touch real quick on why why this is normal to you? Because you, how is it that you were even able to go up there for three months? Sure. Uh, so I've been working remotely for about two years now. I've worked for a company for going on a decade, and the last couple of years I. I talked them into letting me work from home. My home just happens to have wheels on it and is in a different place every day. <laughs> that is the kicker. Yeah. I love so, it. So, you know, I work full time. Um, Monday through Friday, I pick places where I have good cell service and I've got my little Wi-Fi hotspot mm -hmm. and I sit there and work. Mm -hmm. And in Alaska, if you're there in the summer and you have to work, um, it's actually pretty great because the sun doesn't go down. <laughs> so you can work for eight, eight or nine hours and then have eight or nine hours to go play. Who needs sleep? <laughs> right? It's, it's overrated. So that's kind of how I can afford to do it. Because like I said, I was there for 99 days. So amazing. So what is your next uh, destination, I have to ask, on your home on wheels? Yeah, so uh, I'm actually, I, I've got a work trip. Uh, to the East Coast. And then uh, my camper right now is in Nevada at the Las Vegas airport. So uh, <laughs> about 10 days from now, I fly back to Vegas, pick up my house again. And I'll take a couple weeks driving through the desert down to Baja, Mexico, which is another just playground. No kidding. Beautiful playground. I don't know if we talked about, did we talk about Mexico when you were? I think so. But I didn't know you were going to be... When are you going to be in Baja? Because I'm going to be in Baja. Uh, we'll have to talk about that because we should uh, cross paths there. Probably most of the winter, uh, November, December, and then I'll probably come home for the holidays. Oh, that's that's cool. Yeah, it's incredible down there. There's there's so much opportunity to wild camp like there is in Alaska mm -hmm. on beaches and mm -hmm. in the desert. And it's just like open landscape and beauty down there and amazing fish tacos and cheap beer. Oh my gosh. You're getting me really excited. I'm actually <laughs> starting to like drool over here. <laughs> yeah. I, Cause I, yeah, that's, I'm going there in December. So I'm, I'm going to spend some amazing. time there. Oh yeah. 
Well, here's the other thing. I'm going to I'm going to give you a shameless plug real quick. Your Instagram account is really cool. If you guys want to follow Chris on Instagram and his uh adventures. What is your what is your Instagram account, Chris? It's go wildly but with a a period between the two. So go dot wildly. Yeah, we'll link to that on the show notes page too because it's pretty cool. It's pretty fun to 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 see what you're doing with this camper lifestyle of yours. It's it's um I know that a lot of people dream about doing things like this and you're just doing it. And how old are you? Thirty three. Thirty three. And yeah. you're just making it work. I love it. Yeah. I didn't sell off all my stuff and buy a van and build it out and you know, stuff like that, like a lot of people do. I just moved my life into a camper and my job into a camper. So my life was on the road. Yeah. So do you have a place that you don't have any rent or anything, right? You don't No, no, I don't have any any kind of Do you have a storage unit? Uh I have my mom's basement. Yes. Yeah. I have my brother's loft. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> so great. Yeah. Well, good for you. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad our paths crossed at Moose's too. too. Yeah. And next time we'll have to talk about Baja because actually you, the one more thing that you shared with me that you have a goal to drive from Prudhoe Bay all the way down to Ushuaia. No? Yes. 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 I- that is something we should absolutely talk about in the future <laughs> when when you do it, because that's going to be amazing. Going to make it happen. <laughs> yeah. And for those of you who didn't catch that, that's going to be the that's the bay, the Arctic Ocean that he put his feet in in Alaska, all the way down to the southern tip of Argentina. So yeah. and that's coming in your what the next year? Uh, I hope to take off a year from about a year from now. Yeah. Awesome. Good for you. Good for you for making it work. I love it. I think it's super inspiring. And you obviously had a pretty memorable experience in Alaska. So thank you for sharing your story with us. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And we'll catch up soon about Baja. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. Bye-bye. As always, you can find the show notes for this episode at thebudgetmindedtraveler.com slash 75. And going forward, we are going to be on a two-week schedule until further notice. And I'm really excited about the next episode because we're bringing our friends, the Bensons, from episode 67 back on the show to talk about how their big, crazy, round-the-world adventure is going. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you guys then. so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.